All right, welcome back. Episode 24, Chris Updike Show. Tonight I have a special guest, Janet Carbon, uh, Survivor, Island of the Idols. Janet, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Ooh, well, Chris, thank you for having me. I really appreciate seeing you again after all these years um, and uh, under new circumstances. This is great. I love this. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so real quick, backstory. How did I get Janet from Survivor in the studio? Janet and I used to work together. We teach right we taught we did we taught we taught uh phys ed, phys ed, phys back ed. At, you know jackson memorial high school um before she retired how long have you been retired now fourth year now fourth? going into my fourth year of retirement wow. yeah. all right so you're here to talk about survivor give us a little background about janet carbon before survivor well you know i um i was always a teacher and a swim coach and always active and my kids were swimmers and um loved adventure and um, I would make, uh, I watched Survivor. I remember seeing the first show of Survivor when it came out and I was like, oh my God, I could just picture myself there. So over the 20 years, I sent in like four tapes and um, who knew what was going to happen or anything like that. And actually they picked me up for Edge of Extinction, but it was too late to process everything. So I figured eh, it was done. You know, and then I got the call that, that, you know, the following year for season 39, I actually made them prove. I'm like, I thought it was a joke. I thought some one of my lifeguards or, you know, whatever was calling me and making a joke out of it. And they're like, no, 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 look it up, look it up. It's real. But um, I was a teacher at Jackson and I, I was in Bricktown before that, you know, years ago. And just uh I'm one of those people that just I just want to experience life as the best way I can. And uh, to actually get selected, there's less than 600 people that were ever selected for Survivor. So I feel very lucky. So you talked a little bit about that process in there. So there was Ugh. a couple times you sent in tapes or tried out. Yeah. But obviously didn't make it. And yeah. so talk about that process a little bit and finding out, like, do they even tell you you don't make it or they just kind of tell you you do, you're gone to the next round? How does that work? One of the, uh, Caitlin, one of the, producers said they're like bad boyfriends they get in touch with you and then they just leave you hanging and you know don't know what's going on yeah. <laughs> but um it was funny the videotape that they actually picked up on me and a lot of people ask me what are they looking for i want to make a tape i want to do this and, and actually dominic and a bunch of us survivors ethan were saying you know we should just do some sort of podcast where we just tell have people call in and just we tell them what to do because we're all always asked that mm -hmm. The tape I made, we made it at the beach on a rain day, not even thinking it was, we just had so much fun laughing and having such a blast, you know, swimming and, and sent it in. And it was, anyway, everybody's like, I'm going to tell them what a great swimmer I am, what a great athlete, or I can do what they don't want show you as a person what they liked about me which i didn't realize was that they saw that i got along with people of all ages and sexes boys girls and i'm just hanging out with them and that's what they liked so if you're gonna make a tape don't tell us all your wonderful accolades there mm -hmm. that you know that could just make people vomit you know it's a, they want to see what are you going to entertain us with on tv so you send in your tape and well, then how's that screening process work? People call you. Do you have to go in and meet? Do they call you into the office? So you send this tape into this nebulous thing and you never know if you're going to hear anything. So then I got an email and I'm getting ready to leave for lifeguard nationals just as I get this email. And it's like, you got to call and all that kind of stuff. So 
Jeff Probst and Matt Van Wagen, the two producers, they set you up from that screening process if they like your tape. They'll give you a five-minute Facebook FaceTime. If they like you from there, then they're going to send you to California to what's called finals week. There's four finals weeks. In those finals weeks, they pick about 13 to 20 people. It is brutal. Finals week is brutal. You can't talk to anybody. You can't look at anybody. You go to a hotel and there are people watching you. You could get thrown out for your test. It's psychological tests, physical tests. You meet with the CBS producers. You meet with Jeff Probst. You meet with all these people. If they like you and if you make it to the end of the week, because as the week went on, there, like were, cuts. there were people missing and you can't talk and you're like, oh, that person. And you have all these names made up in your head for all these people because you can't talk to anybody so um so then at the end of the week if you make it then you get a physical from what's like this marine doctor i mean i'm sure he's very very good but it's like you're lining up and they're like giving you the shots my arm felt like pin cushions at the end of it um so you get your physicals and sign all your paperwork and they send you home you have no idea what's going to happen so they like gave you shots, kind of prepping you to get ready to go. In case but, you went overseas. But you aren't even sure if you made it yet. Nope. Wow. You have to wait. And then there's three more finals. And then sometime at the end of January, early February, I got a phone call and was told I made it. We would be flying out March 13th. So you have about a month. And in that month... You got to get cardiograms. You got to get all kinds of stuff that has to happen. And, you know, clothing has to be bought and sent out to them. And they mail back, you know, what they're going to keep. You have no idea. Everybody says, why are people wearing a suit? Why are people wearing a dress? Because you're supposed to be representing a plane crash in okay. your vocation of your life. So that should answer a lot of questions out there for you listeners. <laughs> yeah, it does. That answers a lot for me. Um, so you found out you made it. You had a month to prepare. Uh-huh. Did they tell you like where you were going? No, everything's a secret. At, show up at this place. And Everything is a secret. You're even told that when you get on the plane, there's going to be people watching you. And if you talk to people and you tell them where you're going... You could be eliminated. There are people watching. And then I'm getting on the plane and this woman's, oh, that was on the way home. I'll, I'll tell you about that later. From Fiji asking me where I was staying and everything's a secret. And I've also been seven weeks with no communication with the outside world. I'm sitting on this plane, like white knuckling it. And she's asking me what hotel I stayed in. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's but, a little bit of a shock. When you oh, get so anyway, yeah. So then we fly, when you get selected, you you get, they fly you out there for pregame in March. Um, and during the plane flight, you can't talk to anybody. You're looking around and they, and you know, like, are there other survivors here? Are there other people in the same who, you know, and there are people, there is a fan base that tracks the airlines. Okay. On certain dates and where they're going and they start looking for people. Um, when you were out there where we were in Fiji. Mm hmm. And there's a ton of islands. They made these special boats that you climb into and the windows get blacked out. You're, you don't know where you are. It's like the secret of Survivor is you are like 
you know, if if there's a random plane or whatever, everything stops. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's crazy. So so then we're in the airport. So we all uh, get to L.A., getting ready to go to Fiji. Again, you're not talking to anybody. Now, how nervous are you? Like, Oh, this my process? God. You don't know what to eat, what not to eat. You're wondering when are you going to be like, when is the last meal you're going to have? Well, you yeah. know, you're, you're so anyway, you're in the hotel and you're all getting gathered and you can't talk. And you're looking at everybody and, and there's gameplay starting right there, right there, looking at each other. I remember looking at Jamal and I could have sworn he was a professional football player. And he said he tried to give that act, you know, of being this big, tough guy, you know, and, yeah. and, and so you're, you're, you're playing the game, even though you're not talking. So then pregame is four or five days of being at the Ponderosa, one of the islands, and you're getting pictures and this, and you still can't talk. You can't move. You can't do anything. It physically hurt to not do anything. Like you couldn't even get in the pool because you couldn't show that you knew how to swim because that's all part of the game. Right. And you're such like a social. Oh my God. It was, it was excruciating. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you wake up one day and they said, get on the boat. And there you go, off to your island. And uh, how long was the boat ride? Do you remember? About an hour and a half. You're, you, again, you're so you, you're like you're everything's on edge. And then you know you see the shots with Jeff Probst in the helicopter. All that stuff's getting set up and filmed. And yeah. So now you get to the island. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yours they took you out in the boat. Oh. And you swam to the island, Is it, or did they drop you off on the island? So mad. Told Jeff he was a jerk for this entire thing we didn't get our boat jumping off boat where you get to jump off the boat we didn't get that we got dropped on islands and it wasn't even the other tribe it was just our tribe we had no idea what was going on so you get on the island now you get boat dropped and i'm assuming the camera crews are already with you right camera crews are already set up on the island so you get on the island what's like the camera crew situation like like what's it like when you're actually there filming you actually start not even realizing they're there. They work in groups of three in 12 hour shifts. They show up in the morning. There's a guy that holds the boom. There's a guy that holds the camera and there's a guy that holds the guy's waistband because he's walking backwards through the jungle. All of those shots where you see us walking at you is a guy walking backwards in the middle of the jungle. That's probably like a talent in itself. Oh my God. And if it rains, you're covered up to your ankles in mud. It's like sliding on glass. Yeah. And, you know, these guys, they were pretty amazing. But you kind of like, you, they just become a part of the, your everyday yeah. life. Kind yeah, of they do. Because they don't talk to you. Yeah. So you're out there like the first, you know, couple of days. What's it like just getting used to that scenario? You know, you're kind of in this place with these other people and you're just there and you're in the middle of nowhere. Like that's got to be a little... It's stressful in itself, I would think. It's a little intimidating. Sure. There's a moment when you're like, oh, my God, I'm really here. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere with just clothes on my back. No food, no shelter, no nothing. And how did that early, like, does that gameplay start? Like, you were on the boat, you're getting off the boat. The minute I hit the sand, I was already we were all in gameplay it was funny because when you guys when i watched the show any scene that i was not in 
I was not privy to. All of us were the same. Mm -hmm. So we're watching that, like reliving the real deal and, and not, you know, in certain scenes and not knowing what was going on. So we were actually watching the show. What was it like watching the show on television after you lived it? It was surreal. It was you're you were going through everything all again. Even now when I watch when I watched Winners at War, I was like, that's the breadfruit tree that Tony's talking about. I discovered, by the way. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like you know, it's like you're yeah. watching right where you were. Do you think they depict your characters or actually your person pretty accurately on TV or is there like a little bit of some creative editing in there, a little bit of both. You're going to get a big sway of opinions on this. I think it's pretty, I think they do a pretty good job in capturing the essence of the person. Um, you got to realize tribal councils are like two to four hours. You're seeing 11 minutes. Yeah. Um, the tribal, the, the amount that you see on TV is 42 minutes. It's three days worth of filming. Yeah. You know, and there's five reward challenges that you never even saw. Really? Yes. We had such a controversial season that they had to edit and cut out. And I rocked on some of those reward challenges. I was like, damn, they didn't get to see that. I was in the water and it was like that. And I was like, they, they cut it out. Yeah. And you, you talk about being in the water a little bit. You have a pretty, let's just, I'm going to like brag about you a little bit. You have a pretty <laughs> good swim background, right? Like you're pretty high caliber swimmer in mo most all of your life. Yeah. So going in and they had a, one of the girls on the other side was also like- An Olympian, three-time Olympian. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, kind of on purpose right i mean that's well it was funny because when they were in my finals week i said listen nobody's gonna beat me in the water and i was going to add unless you're a competitive swimmer you know because then jeff's like really i was like i'm done nobody's gonna nobody's gonna beat me even he's like what about a big strong young guy because they asked me who are who am i gonna hang out with and i said the athletic guys and they're like really and I'm like, yeah, I said, that's, there's no sexual tension. There's like, let's go and get this. There's like, it, 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 we get along great. Yeah, that's kind of your personality. And that's my personality. And just like, okay. So then they knew it. I didn't know it, that they had recruited Elizabeth, you know. Mm -hmm. um, again, we're friends and, and uh, you know. I thought I did pretty good keeping up with a 26-year-old Olympian. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. <laughs> That first night you were on the island, I think you kind of made an impact because you were able to make fire that first night, right? So right away, you kind of set a little bit of a tone. Like, they're like, oh, this girl can make fire ready. We don't even have anything. Now, is that something you, like, practice uh -huh. before you go? Like, you buy equipment? and Because I saw that on some of your social medias. You're, like, in the backyard doing some stuff. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Like, you you prepared. And, and I don't know. Does everybody do that? Does everybody buy equipment and practice making fire or is that something that the Survivor contestants know they need to do if they're going on the show? Well, if you don't practice making fire, you're foolish if you're going on to Survivor. Because fire is life in Survivor. And you could make it to the fire challenge in the final four. Um, I needed to go on there and make an impact. Traditionally, in the last 20 years, the first person voted off is the older female. First person off. So that was my first goal. I had a couple goals. That was my first goal. And I had to go in and I had to make an impact. So 
I practiced every day from September. My husband, John, was my coach. He made balance beams in the backyard. He made me giant slingshots. He made me hoops, the, 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 the grappling hook. I practiced throwing hooks I at home. On, once again, on the, you got that first try. I too. stepped into the hero mode. I was really nervous, really nervous because right. it was the first challenge. But anyway, um, so I knew I needed to, it was going to be a make or break. I was, it was either I was going to get voted out first or I was going to make an impact. So that was what I decided prior to. So John and I went and really researched the type of bamboo, how to do it, how to, you know, get the spark. And thank God the survivor gods were with me and I was able to find the right bamboo and start a fire. <laughs> Talk about, like you said, that kind of set you up a little bit for because you didn't want to be like the older female mm -hmm. who always gets traditionally right. gets voted out first. So you really did have an impact. You made fire first. You threw the grappling hook first try. <laughs> so everybody's like, oh, Janet can help us a yes. little bit, right? We don't want to vote her out yet. Yes. Um, so talk about kind of how that social dynamic plays kind of like start, middle, end. Well, I have to tell you, people ask me, what is the hardest thing? The hardest thing is the psychological part screw the physical part mm -hmm. because when you go camping or you go out or you do something with people you spend your day you set up your camp you do this you go fishing you hang out now it's time to crack open a beer and have some marshmallows and some s'mores. that doesn't happen on survivor yeah and you know being as old as i was and dan who was my ally was the only other older people these kids in their 20s want to stay up and talk and we're like holding my eyeballs open with my hands going can't we just go to bed like yeah. this is late for me yeah. <laughs> um so dan and i actually came up with a system of how to try and get the kids to go to bed you're still trying to put the kids to bed on, on Survivor Island. Yes. Because, okay. you know, who's scheming? Who's who's going and getting water and scheming and making new alliances? So there's no psychological letdown. That's that's what at the point I was getting to. Was it hard to sleep on the island? Like, uh, I imagine, like, things crawling on you. and You're not sleeping. The bamboo is brutal. I could not sleep on the bamboo. There were a couple other people. We So I put my Tom Sawyer on, and I looked at this go ramp going down to the beach and i was like look at the tree and so dan and i made a beach hut it was everybody was laughing no it had never been done before mm -hmm. in the rain it was the driest two and a half square feet on the ground yeah. you saw all these people trying to climb in there and stay there, so we built three more so um what was the where was i going with this um Getting the kids to bed. And, oh yeah, yeah. So um, sleeping in the in the middle of the jungle. So it was. So the bugs were. When you see everybody all wrapped up, soon as the sun goes down, these no seams bugs and all that come out, and they will get any exposed skin. That's why you see everybody all wrapped up. But um, so I would sleep on on the sand prior rather than the. Uh, the bamboo. And it was really funny this one night. I'm just, I know I'm all scattered, but this was funny. We were all sleeping. I slept on the bamboo this one night because it was raining. And Lauren's laying next to me and Kelly. And all of a sudden you hear this. She's like, Janet, what was that? I was like, nothing, Lauren. And I know damn well it was a rat. Uh, and I'm like, nothing, Lauren. It's fine. And it's pitch black. 
And all of a sudden you feel this running across and it must have gone into her hair. And she's like, it's in my, I'm like, no, it's not. And I move it. And she, she was hysterical. Yeah. She goes, you lied to me. And then we had mouse poop in our rice and mold uh, in our rice, but you could just kind of eat around it. Yeah. <laughs> when you're doing like the physical challenges, how physical are they? Because on, you know, when you're watching it, it's like, yeah. that's got to be kind of heavy, but you're not really sure. Yeah. Or that's got to be horrible to stand on a pole for 35 minutes. So talk about the challenge piece a little bit, and mm -hmm. then I'm going to lead you into like winning and losing. Okay. Challenges, you got to remember you haven't eaten, you're starving, you're not sleeping, and you're playing this intense game constantly. Now you're being asked to go into 110 degree heat and do whatever. I, the, the sand caterpillar challenge was, I thought I was going to die. I literally thought my shoulders were going to blow out of my shoulder joints and I was literally going to die. I didn't think I was going to finish it. And I heard Jack, that was another thing you didn't hear highlighted. Jack was the youngest survivor. He had the curly hair. Mm -hmm. Jack and I were probably one of the tightest alliances and they never showed it because it was, and it was neat because he was the youngest and I was the oldest and we were very, very bonded. But, um, yeah, it, it, the challenge is, you, I remember sitting at home watching them going, oh, I could do that. That would be so much. Well, try it after you haven't eaten for a week and, and slept. slept and all that. It was hot. The one that um, I almost cut my toe off on wasn't a hard challenge, but my neck hurt. I moved my neck slightly. It was where we had to hold the ball. The ball. And I moved, my neck was hurting. Think about when you're standing like that. And I moved my neck a little bit. That's what did it. That's why I fell. Slight, so slight things. And Jeff lied to us. I, <laughs> Jamal always fought with him. Come on, Jeff, you, you didn't tell us this. Like the ladder challenge. He says, oh yeah, you're going to untie it from the bottom and it's going to float and you can push it. The damn thing was three, 400 pounds. And we were like dying. I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when you like have like the reward challenge for the group or you're so close to, to winning a, an individual <sighs> unity, what's that kind of feeling like? Well, it's also a social game. Um, whether you're throwing a challenge, whether you're not, what's your motivation? Are you trying to win a challenge? I knew for me, when we got to certain challenges where we were in the individual portion, if I wasn't going to win the challenge, I wasn't going to push it to where I injured myself. I was just going to be respectable. Um, and I did that a few times. There were two challenges that were mine to win and it just pissed me off that I, that I didn't win. One was the one Nora won with the round. The I had that down and it was, I couldn't hear. And anyway, I took a misstep. Do they ever let you practice a little bit? Or is it the well, that's part of the problem. He let Nora practice a lot longer and I had been doing it for like five minutes before it even started. And my arms were like shot and I was like, but anyway, yeah. that's all right. Um, yeah, but the challenges are hard. They're harder than what you, you realize. Yeah. Because it's so hot. You're so dehydrated. Um, you haven't eaten or slept in days, mm -hmm. so it's yeah. different. Yeah. When you're kind of like getting halfway through the show, is there a point where you're like, I have a real shot of winning this? And when, what's that kind of like in your head? Because well, the whole game, the whole you know time you're out on the island, it's just a big mind mm -hmm. curse, right? Like, oh my just gosh. I yeah, can't you have to have 
benchmarks. We had benchmarks, making the swap, making the merge, making the family visit, making it to different things. They were the benchmarks. Um, to win, like when we won our first challenge, when Vokai won the very first, that's when it hit me. When we were standing there, jumping up and down, cheering that, I was like, I'm really here. This yeah. is really happening. Yeah. And the elation that I felt at that time was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, when you do certain things in the challenges that, you know, you're really proud of or not proud of or nervous. It's, it's a w incredible feeling. And there's like 150 to 200 cameras there. You yeah. don't even realize it there. You we like, is that nerve wracking in itself? Like the first time yeah, I saw then it, you just kind of get then used you're to just it. like, yeah, you know, so there's a point in like, you're like, wow, I, I really have a shot at winning. This. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. When I got down to, I wouldn't allow myself to believe I kept just focusing on the benchmarks. When I found my second immunity idol, I allowed myself. At that point, I knew I had all the jury votes. I knew I could win. I knew, I knew if something bizarre did not happen, I was going to win. I was going to be the sole survivor. Yeah. You, here's something I have with the show. Cause I used to, I probably watched the first five seasons. I was a pretty big fan in the beginning. Then I didn't watch. And then when you were on again, obviously we, we all watched cause we got to talk about it in school the next day. Right. And I want to like, and that was something nobody DVR'd it because you didn't want it. It was like the spoiler right, alert right, home right. Room, right? So, um, at some point, like you have to know, like, uh, I had a really good shot. And then this bizarre thing happens. And now I feel like the show, those first couple of seasons, you kept the strongest guys around, right? Because you want to Yes. Show. And now it's kind of going a little bit the other way. And me is like you being a competitive person, I kind of want to be, this is just me. And I could be wrong if there's a million dollars on the line, but watching at home on the couch, me, I'm like, I want to beat the best people. I don't want to vote the best people out. Like if I know I'm going to be or-, or Well, that was our agreement going into it. Tommy, Dan, myself, Jamal, and Jack, we said we wanted to go to the final four with the strongest people that we respected for, so that anybody that would win in the final four would have been deserving. That mm -hmm. was our agreement. My, my failing was believing Tommy would hold to that. How did you feel about that when it happened? Cause he was the one who, yeah. Um, but you have to trust I people on the show. You, you have to trust have people. To, but you don't know until And that was that what happens. we constantly talked about. Mm -hmm. And I got news for you. Had Dan not been removed at six, I would have been fine. And I'll tell you why. Dean already had the nullifier in his pocket. Mm -hmm. We as a tribe had decided they were trying to backdoor me going into the next. I obviously wasn't supposed to know that. Mm -hmm. we had said we were going to put all the votes on Dean because he had Jamal's advantage, which he thought was real. We all thought it was real. So he was going to play Jamal's advantage. We were going to put the votes on Dan and I was going to put a vote on him. He would have been voted off with the nullifier in his pocket had Dan not been removed at six because we, once Dan got removed, everything changed. So, so you kind of, you got screwed a little I got, bit. I got screwed a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, yours was Island of the Idols. So when you guys got to go <laughs> off, 
you know, you got to hang out with Boston Rob and Sandra and they talked to you guys. What yeah. was that experience like? Because they are like, right, in the survivor world, they are the king and queen kind of. Yeah. So what was that experience like getting to talk to those guys and how valuable was the information that you got with them right. once you brought it back to the rest of the group? It was really cool seeing them. When I saw them, I was like, okay, what is happening now? Like, what does this mean? Is there some sort of flip in the game? I didn't know what was going on. Um, I obviously turned down their offer. Yes, yes. And um, it was like, it wasn't valuable to me. What was valuable, that experience was just seeing them, mm -hmm. talking to Rob a little bit, and that was cool. And, um, you know, it was just that experience in and of itself was, was cool. Mm -hmm. And he did get me to think, he got me to question things. I just didn't, I needed to question more, you know, when we sat at school and kind of talked about it and watched, we kind of knew you were going to be like that mother figure in the tribe. Uh -huh. Did you know that going in? Was that like a plan? Was that something you like, or did you kind of just let it happen? I wanted to not have that as a plan. And it happened unbeknownst to me. Um, I, but I also had a different, it wasn't like this nurturing mother. It was more like the tattoo, let's go out and have some, raise some hell kind of mother. So yeah. it was kind of fun that way. But um, yeah, I didn't want to be the leader. I didn't want to come in and take charge. Which is surprising for me. And it's it's different for me watching because I know your personality, yeah. right? Kind of outside of the show. Not that I, right. I'm saying you're, you were different. Well, I was, yeah. But you were because you kind of like, you kind of don't hold back, right? Yeah, and, I held back. And I'm going to be honest with you. The, the thing I was in school, I, was, I said, I can't believe how quiet she's being. I don't, I don't know. She, <laughs> I can't believe she bit her tongue. And I could see a couple of times where you were like, <laughs> right? Yeah. But how hard was that for you to do? It's hard to do because you have to really think about, you have to think three steps down the line, what the ramifications yeah. are. And you're really, and as a teacher and a, and a lifeguard and somebody that works with people, it was the biggest advantage was, was watching the physical reactions of people mm -hmm. because that said more than their words. Yeah. You like reading body language yeah. a little bit and stuff. Yeah. So it's over. You're off the Island, right? So you get voted off and you leave the Island. Now you go back to that Ponderosa. Is mm -hmm. that what you Ponderosa. do? Ponderosa. So ha is that like super strange now? Like you're in a hotel room, you're getting like room very, service. Very, very weird. We get on the boat from, you get voted off and then you meet with the producers and Dr. Joe and they do an evaluation and all that kind of stuff. And, and when you get on the boat, Jimmy is, what kind of food do you want? They have all kinds of food ordered for you. Oh my goodness. For when you get off. Um, I had to talk myself into sleeping in my cabin. I br they brought me to my cabin, and I don't know if you saw any of those scenes. The My Ponderosa. Did you? I didn't see any of that. You need to go to CBS All Access mm -hmm. and look at My Ponderosa. You'll see all of the different people's time on Ponderosa and how they interact with everybody. It's really good. And there's a secret scene on there with me spearing a fish. I was the first female to spear a fish. That's cool. And it was pretty cool. But um, I had to talk myself into sleeping inside. It was quiet. It was clean. I was, for a half hour, I was hyperventilating outside going, I can, I can do this. I can go inside and sleep in a bed. So you actually had a problem just going inside yeah. to like sleep. Having like a roof. In a normal 
Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy that a little bit, just being outside, sleeping outside kind of thing? One of the best nights I had was when I was excommunicated from the tribe and I was sleeping on a hole on the beach. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. By the second, I was like, I love this. And then I was like, all right, I got to get back in the game. I got to change my mode. I got to get some strategy together. Yeah. I was like, but this is really nice out here. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so what else kind of was going through your mind when you were going like, I don't want to go in the cabin like you're getting yeah. regular food again. Yeah. You're taking a shower. Oh, the shower took forever to get clean. Um, I didn't think I'd ever have clean fingers or toes yeah. again. And then uh, you can't eat a lot. You're messed up for a long time, yeah. several months. Really? And, um, you know, like, and that, that was the whole thing. Like when we won the food reward on the uh, family visit, you know, you have all this stuff and people are like, oh, here's beers and here's this. You don't want that. You mm-hmm. want to eat the protein and have the stuff that's not going to fill you up as much. Yeah. Like the bread is going to fill you up too much. So it's going to be yeah. good later on. Right? Oh, no, yeah. you're going to the bathroom all night. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> um, so you do that. You kind of, you get voted off. You're back at Ponderosa. And now what's the time frame between you going at the Ponderosa to the actual did they do a live filming for your finale? They did not. We were the first one that did not do a live filming. Right. So we go to Ponderosa and then I was only there for two nights. Mm-hmm. And then they fly us into out. And I'll never forget this. I, I can still feel the panic. We land in the Fiji airport. They hand us our phones back. Now, we hadn't had a phone in our hand or newspaper or anything in weeks. I'm standing there looking at this phone. We're all standing there. We I didn't even know how to turn it on. Oh, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Then I'm doing the customs um, thing on the on the screen. And the last question should have been answered like yes. And I answered no. And it threw me into the other line. Oh. And I was having such a – there had to be a – we were – the plane is full of producers and everything. And I think one of the guys knew – I was having an absolute meltdown. <laughs> He's like, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, wow. <gasps> so talk about being in that actual like finale. Like you're kind of on that set. You're filming. Now everybody's there after you kind of got, you know. Well, it's a, it's almost, you know, we come home May of that year. We fly, we, filming's in March. We come home in May. All last, that last summer, we can't talk about it. Wow. Yeah. We have to keep our mouths shut. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. After you were done and you kind of were off the island, did you have some like aches, pains? Like you didn't wear shoes. Like, did you wear shoes for like a month? No, I didn't wear shoes. That was the thing that was messed up the most. Aaron and I talked about this. We were so afraid of being on the island and being injured because he's a weightlifter and he hurts his his lower back. Uh When we were on the island, we were fine. The minute we got off the island, all these aches and pains started. But yeah, my feet were cut up really bad. They were Um, literally cut. Literally blood. Like Dr. Joe would make calves out of band-aids for me you know, like you would just i don't know how he did it but <laughs> and after you get off is there some like medical things you have to do mm-hmm. like are you getting shots again are they checking you for parasite like you get home they, they we were all checked for parasites they provide counseling for a year or so afterwards um because the ptsd is brutal it's brutal talk about that a little bit it's um yeah I, they'll never forget the first day that i was home and i was standing on by my sliding glass doors it started pouring and this is in florida john told me my husband said okay you can come in this room now he said i stood there just staring out 
because that's what we used to do. If it started raining, we'd all run to hide whatever you can. We we went on camera in our underwear because we buried our clothes. It was more important. You'd go on camera naked if you could have warm clothes at night. That's it's that bad. You literally buried your clothes in the sand. We buried them under things anywhere we could keep them dry. Um, but yeah, so we get home and it's it's then the so the show starts airing in September. And it's hard because now all of a sudden, you know, things that I knew and I knew people were going to think I was going to win the show, the show and I knew what happens. And it's like the whole time you're keeping your mouth shut. Yeah. But there's a lot of really, really good things that have happened, you know. Yeah. Doing, so. Was there any like really good moments you think that weren't shown on the air that some of the things they missed? So many because you can't. There's so, so much. much, so much. Is there any that come to like? top of your head right away oh my god um there when nora came back from island of the idols and they, they showed a little bit of it where mm -hmm. she was practicing how to we were blindfolded and she was practicing guiding us trust me that was nothing compared to what really happened we were down on the main beach one of the cameramen fell over laughing so hard and he could we couldn't talk to him anyway it was, it was just funny um so there was like a lot of that there was the moment when i speared the fish was really cool yeah really cool because no other woman had ever done that and i was really proud of that and he caught it on film it was like insane um we had a white tip shark that elaine had to actually push away from her but I had everybody out there and I knew it was there and I was like, okay, everybody let's move over here. You know? Yeah. So there's stuff like that. Um, a lot of funny moments. You talked a little bit, you kind of actually led me into my next question. You know, since you've been on survivor, a lot of good things have happened. So talk a little bit about life after survivor. Life after survivor has been really interesting. I've been very fortunate and I'm working with uh reality rally, Michelle's place out in, in California, I'll be going out there for a three day event where they're raising money for breast cancer research and a facility out there. But my main charity is Give Kids the World in Kissimmee, Florida. It is from Make a Wish. They have, um, it's like Make a Wish. They have families that come from all over the world and stay. They have 189 acres and cottages and it's all volunteer and cafeterias. And it's an amazing, amazing facility. And, um, throughout the year, many of us try and help them out. Like I sold all my clothes to them. I auctioned off, uh, zooms. So people will bid and the money goes to them. We did a cast reunion and the money all goes to them. And, um, I'll be repelling off of a 32 story building February 12th to raise money. In, that's in Florida. In Florida. Um, We've done a hosted a bunch of watch parties and things like that, and people will pay to go. And, you know, all that money goes to this wonderful organization that's been shut down due to the virus. Yeah. So, so many of these kids have not gotten their wish. Yeah. Um, would you go on again if you had an opportunity to go back? Um, probably, yeah. Yeah. I, I mentioned it would be nice to go on the amazing race. Um, the Amazing Race, Big Brother, and Survivor are all the same producers. So we, we don't like they they will now call us as to to do stuff. And I said, put Elaine and I together for the Amazing Race. And Elaine and I are like, yeah, we can eat. 
We don't have to like. So speaking of which, the 25th of this month, we're all going to Elaine's wedding down in Kentucky. That's cool. That's going to yeah. be a fun time. Oh, my gosh. The whole cast. The Holiday Inn down there doesn't mm. know what's going to hit them. I thought about calling them because we're all talking to each other. And I'm like, yeah, I'm staying at the Holiday Yeah, so am I, so am I, so am I. They have no idea what's yeah, going to hit that's them. That's going to be a little crazy. Yeah, it's going to be insane. Right. Probably a three-day event. Anything you want to say before we get out of here? Um, keep watching Survivor. The biggest thing, Jamal from the show, mamaj.net is a website. Jamal. Plug all your socials before we get out of here. Yeah, Jamal and I um, have a motivational speaking program, which was really starting to take off and we were going to go into a school in Jackson and uh, COVID kind of sidelined all that. And I'm trying to follow whatever path I'm supposed to be following because that was starting to really take off. I did a couple of things down in Florida, um, worked with some school systems down there. That are, they have this organization called Pi and it works with the businesses and the school. It's really good. But anyway, um, we'll see where that goes. Right now, I want to center a lot on raising money for the charities and and just continuing, you know, like speak your truth, live your truth. Don't put limits on yourself. You know, I don't want to hear I'm too old. I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, as a teacher. Yeah. I never wanted to hear that. And it's like, figure it out. Figure it out. Suck it up. Figure it out. Pick yourself up and go out and do it. Yeah. We're going to end it with that. Janet Carbon, Survivor, Season 39, (laughs) Island of the Idols. Janet, thanks so much for coming in tonight. I appreciate it so much.